Weekend Mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen. Replay from Money FM 89.3. It is the continuation of the movie season. We had the BAFTAs last week, a few weeks ago. Mm, we had culmination, the, really. The culmination, right, with the uh, Academy Awards coming up. And, Neil, when we look at the favorites, uh, well, of course, let's talk first about the show itself, right, for this, for uh, yet another year where we're not going to have yeah, I mean, a host. I think in, in our wonderfully uh, woke culture, and which we all appreciate, and in this uh, very, what's the word, sensitive climate. You know, you saw what happened with Ricky Gervais. If he's not funny enough, he gets damned. If he's too funny, he's too sensitive. You know, so the Oscars, for the second year in a row, are going hostless. As someone who does lots mm. of hosting and emceeing yourself, what do you think about that? You know what? I don't care. Yeah. I really don't care. I don't care. think it makes any difference whatsoever. The, you know, that show is so bloody long anyway that anything you can do to shorten that, yeah. uh, hours and hours of of self-congratulations, yeah. I think is just fine. Well, I think with the Golden Globes that was interesting, it becomes increasingly difficult and slightly hypocritical when... And I don't want to sound like a shock jock, but when you've got these very right-on liberal celebrities preaching about climate Whatever. change, and we're <laughs> sitting here right now at Code Orange with the coronavirus, <laughs> we're not that interested in the fact that Joaquin Phoenix has worn his suit five times in a row. Wow. That's called normal behavior because none of <laughs> us, most of us right? are in a position where we can wear a brand new tux at every event we sure, go to. Sure. So there's that element to it. And the other thing, that I think the Oscars and major media ceremonies generally have overlooked. And younger folks like James Corden, whatever you may or may not think of him, have realised it's like five-day cricket. It's over. It's like three-hour Oscar ceremonies. It's over. We want sound bites. We want 10-minute clips. We want viral clips. That's why the likes of James Corden and the younger guys like uh, Jimmy Kimmel to a lesser extent have realised hardly anyone actually watches their show anymore. Mm. What they watch are the next morning's clips on the way to work. It'll be exactly the same here with the Oscars. They'll watch the speech from Joaquin Phoenix when he inevitably wins for Joker. They'll see the speech from whoever wins best film and so on and so on. So everyone's looking for viral clips now, right, in the modern media. So we don't need a host anymore. We just mm. need that funny clip from Tina Fey mm. or that funny clip from Rebel Wilson, who did a very funny bit at the uh, the BAFTAs last week. That's all anyone's going to remember. You know, I haven't. I, I actually like the Ricky, Ricky Gervais as a host. So uh, do I. I enjoy him so much because he is he is so in everyone's face, uh, and you know he self admits I don't care what they think of me. I'm you know I'm not going to do this again. But I, I actually think he's the he's one of the forces that actually gives some grounding to these yeah. events, right? Because otherwise they just get so crazy. They're so into themselves and their their lives that are completely in a bubble. Well, he deals with the hypocrisy. Yeah. And they don't like it. Yeah. It's all well and good when, and lots of people I admire, Robert De Niro's one of my heroes. You know, when he gets up there and bags tr- uh, uh, President Trump and Mel Street will do the same about right. equality and equality for wages, which we all agree with. No one disagrees with anything that they say. Mm. But then Gervais gets up and says, 
Where were you during Jeffrey Epstein? <laughs> we all know the people in this room who took private planes with Jeffrey Epstein and went right. to his parties. That's the guy, of course, who killed himself mm. after being convicted of mm. pedophilia and hosting parties with underage yep. uh, women. Where were you? You all attended the parties. Where were you when you were taking parts in Harvey Weinstein movies? You knew what he was doing. Everybody Don't pretend knew. you didn't. That's Everybody right. knew. He's not the first. Hopefully he'll be the last. Yep. And you all knew it was... Well, how can we say, part of the price you had to pay if you yeah. wanted to get a certain part or a certain role, you had to do certain things or close an eye. Nobody is condoning it, but that was the culture in Hollywood for 100 years. Well, even at the, at the BAFTAs, I think it was uh, Joaquin Phoenix that he won for Joker, and he made this long speech about how the system is you know, racist, basically, and stacked against minorities yep. and all of that. And he, he said, of course, we're all part of it, and we all have to do better. And then he, you know, promptly accepts his award as the white male and walks off. And I thought, you know what? If, if you're so concerned about this, why didn't you not accept the award? I don't know. Why didn't you say, you know what? Thank you for recognizing me. But I, I just can't in good conscience, you know, take this award in a year when there are, you know, so many excellent people of color and different gender and whatever. Why not do that? But Marlon of course Brando he, did it but, over the Native Americans. Exactly, right? With the Godfather, 72, 73. He refused to accept the Oscar. But of course, the BAFTA is sitting on Joaquin Phoenix's mantle at home right now. And also, there was a very... <laughs> oh, it's interesting <laughs> so point. So it is hypercritical. And yeah, exactly. There was a very irate piece follow-up in the Guardian newspaper from a member of the mm. BAFTA Academy. Mm. Oh. Who... And it does come off a little bit as white privilege, the piece, I'm not going to lie. Mm. Uh, a sort of middle-aged white guy complaining um, does come across as a little bit mansplaining-y. Uh, I get all that. But there was an underlying point there that said two years ago or two or three years ago, whatever it was, in the same year we awarded uh, 12 Years a Slave, something else, something else, something else. In that particular year, it was three or four awards given to uh, people of colour. And yes, I can see the retort to, oh, bully for you. You do it one year and right. we've all got to slap you on the right. back. Right. I get that. But there's a bigger issue than the BAFTAs, isn't there? There's a much bigger issue mm. than you can't just show up for people of color movies when it's Black Panther. Mm. You have to do it for everything. Otherwise, the studios are not a charity. They're not a politically correct machine. They are there to make money. Mm. And if people turn up more to see a white Captain America than, say, a Chinese or a black Captain America, for argument's sake, they'll keep making him white. Honestly, studios don't care. He could be an alien as long as it makes them money. But we also know that there are great movies out there, and as a result of being given an Academy Award, because remember, this isn't these aren't awards for which movie makes the most money. No, these fact, are supposed to be awards that are often, the best director, yeah. the best actor, the best screenplay, or whatever. And and that's done by those the groups of people who are charged with voting, watching and voting, uh, whichever that group is. Who are is. part of the system. They're who directors, are, writers, actors the themselves. Yeah, exactly. they're members of the Academy. And so, you know, they, they if they were to choose a deserving movie from a female director, for example, and then it's awarded the Academy Award, they have a, they have a direct ability to, to elevate those movies, that director, you know, we talked about this a few shows ago. Catherine, Catherine Bigelow was the mm. first and only female director to get the Academy Award uh, for her work. Um, you know, that automatically raised her into a level 
that, of course. you know, she is above all of her peers. And the same de- debate is happening right now with uh, Greta Gerwig, who's one of the great young directors working today. She's mm. just made Little Women, which mm. I haven't seen yet, but um, it's supposed to be a fantastic film. They're Everyone sh- says it's amazing. They're shocked that she wasn't nominated. I suspect, on that point of diversity, I suspect the best director will probably go to uh, Bong Joon-ho of uh, Parasite. You would think. Which you would hope. Again, I yeah. haven't seen it because I'm not sure it's available yet, but I haven't seen it. The South Korean thriller. Again, rave reviews. And because of that, there is a suspicion that it may go the way that, uh, I think it was Roma one or two years ago, where there'll be a last minute surge of voting towards the, in inverted commas, minority film mm, mm. To, to make a stand. So that, that there's now a sense that Parasite could sneak in at the last minute, the mm. South Korean movie, and get best film. Obviously, 1917 is still the runaway favourite. It's cleaning up at all the awards. But just lately, you're seeing a little surge of momentum for the South Korean movie. And for purely selfish reasons, as someone who writes in Southeast Asia, it would be fantastic be amazing. if an Asian movie, a regional movie, effectively won, uh, won for, for Best Picture or Best Director. It would be fantastic, wouldn't it, for all the reasons no, you just I, said? I think it would be great. I mean, look, we saw with the Crazy Rich Asians how, how it automatically um, elevated uh, you know, uh, Asian actors and their ability to be a box office draw, which, of course, is in the Hollywood system is important. You know, you can't make a movie that's going to not make money. Okay, we get that. Uh, it's, as you mentioned, it's not a charity. Um, but at the same time, to to have this Korean movie that is done in Korean uh, make, a, make a, a big statement like that, as it already has in, in the previous uh, movie awards uh, ceremonies over the past couple of months, I think would be just – that would be awesome. Oh, it'd be wonderful. Awesome. Uh, all right, then, for the benefit of our listeners who... Yeah, run the list. We like to playfully have playful bets, shall mm. we say. No money involved, just for fun. Best picture. Key nominees are 1917, The Irishman. Mm. Who do you think? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's probably going to be the 1917. Who else? Who are, what other films you've are... You've got 1917, you've got The Irishman, you've got Parasite, mm. you've got Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood, yeah. which I absolutely loved, if I'm honest. Mm. If it was up to me... It would be The Irishman. I've seen it three times. I watched it again this week. I haven't seen it. I have to say, I like 1917. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a film of the year. To be. To be frank with you, you. were. Su- I was surprised when you said that. I hadn't seen the film yet, and I, and I have now. When you said, yeah, it was okay. I think you saw it in Hong Kong, right? Was it I did. Hong- yeah, yeah. yeah. I did. And it was just getting reviews like I've right. never seen, right. you know. And so probably I went in there with slightly inflated expectations. I saw it with my wife, Tracy, and yes, I thought it was terrific. And I was very much aware of the – it's not gimmicky because it does serve the plot, but the whole – one shot movie, you know, mm. where it's meant to look like. I mean, obviously there are cuts, but it's made to. It's meant to look like there are no discernible cuts, and it's right. all one fluid camera movement. One from day, to one day in the life. Yeah, of, literally, yeah, yeah, a couple of hours in a day in the life yeah. of a First World War soldier. The opening sequence where they literally go through this labyrinth of mm. trenches mm. In, in the First World War was staggering. Yeah, it was fantastic. It, it was staggering because okay. it clearly isn't cut. I mean, that one is clearly right. like, the camera comes around, it goes behind. That was. Sustained. Staggering opening, made by Sam Mendes, who actually did something very similar in the James Bond movie Spectre when they did the Day of the Dead uh, opening oh, sequence. If you yeah, remember that with yeah, Daniel Craig, yeah, which is ago, which is extraordinary, about three yeah, four years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, similar similar sequence in terms of one shot, no cuts. However, and this is the criticism that other people have made, I became aware of the gimmick while I was watching it because I knew about it, mm. and and that's ne- to me that's never a good thing. You should never be aware of the camera. 
it should just happen because it's meant to happen. It's like a referee in a football match. Mm. If you don't know he's there, he's done the perfect job. Mm. Mm. If, you, if you're not aware of the camera, but the movie is seamless, the camera, the, cinema, the, the cinematographer has done his job. But I was constantly aware of the camera being there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I, I would like it to be The Irishman, but I think it's going to be 1917. But I'm going to shout right now for our South Korean guy. I think Bong Joon-ho is going to sneak the best director. I, I think that would be great. And I certainly don't think uh, Once, Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is is worth it at all. I mean, if everybody knows, you know, knows Leo and knows Brad, and that's a big, you know, chummy thing. I think they should have cut 30 minutes out of the movie. I, I liked it the film. Way I too long. Admit, I did like the film. It was a good film, but I just thought it was, it was, they could have tightened it up. Joker, well, Joker's not for best film, is it? It is up for best film. It? it won't win. I think he's a shoe in for best actor. I don't <laughs> think he should be. I tell you who should be. Mm. Have you seen it yet? Marriage Story. I have not. It's on Netflix. I'm sure yeah. many people listening is, are nodding along. Adam Driver's... Now, he's becoming one of the big actors. He is fantastic. Mm. He, he's not making a bad film. Even the Star Wars films, he mm. was probably the best thing in it. Mm. Um, he is extraordinary in Marriage Story. I, I mean, it's like a Kramer versus Kramer for the, the right. 2020s. Right. Him up against uh, Scarlett Johansson. Great performances from both of them. He should win it, but I think you go by momentum. I don't think he should win. But I think Joaquin Phoenix is walking his way to the Oscar. You know you get these career Oscars, don't you? It's like Al Pacino with Scent of yeah. a Woman and Sean Connery for The Untouchables. Everybody knows that Martin Scorsese for The Departed. It's like, we didn't give it to you for the films that we should have done, so here's the career Oscar. And they did it with Scorsese with The Departed. Famously, they did it with Pacino, yeah. Scent of a Woman. Yeah. Pacino's made a lot of better movies than Scent of a Woman. But yeah. it's like, if we don't give it to you now... We don't know when we can. So this will be Joaquin's career yeah, Oscar. I, you know, I think he did a great job. I, I, I honestly, I have to say, I, I, I didn't love the movie. No, I didn't. I just, know, I, it kind of rambled along. I was kind of waiting for something to happen. Maybe I was expecting like a superheroes movie type thing, and it was, it was more of a character sketch on Joker and his, and his you know, crazy mind, which Joaquin certainly did well. Very well. Uh, but and I, I just, but I've well, seen him better in other films. Yeah, yeah. And also... I agree. I saw that film again with my wife and I came out and I said to her, I don't know what to feel about this film. Yeah. And I almost need to see it again. And I, I haven't like got around to it yet. Point? I don't know what yeah. to feel about this film. Yeah. It had some very mixed messaging mm. about people with mental health issues. Yeah. To state the obvious, most people with mental health issues are more likely to harm themselves than other people. Right. So I wasn't necessarily keen on that message being propagated that mm. if you're mentally ill, look what happens to you. Mm. In fact, some of my wonderful students happy to give them a plug at Neon Polytechnic, made a documentary about that issue, how mental health is depicted in cinema. Ooh, and they spoke to a great. number of experts Very in important. Singapore. Absolutely. Spoke to a number of experts in Singapore and mental health sufferers who said, a movie like Joker does not help us at all because we're one step further back from coming out. Placed all the stereotypes. As it were. So, yeah. look, yeah. yes, he'll probably get Best Oscar. Actress, Rennie Zellweger, will probably win for Judy. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I'm going to see it. Judy Garland, you always win awards when you depict real people, mm. especially if it's people within the industry. Yeah, you and, know, and um, somebody who was loved and respected, and you know, Judy Garland, mental health issues, right? Yeah, committed suicide at a young age. Yeah. Uh, just couldn't handle the pressure of growing up in a famous family. Liza Minnelli was her mom, and Vincent Minnelli, her father. Yeah, that's it. So I think uh, she's assuming for that. J Jamie Foxx with Ray. Mm, uh, mm. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix was nominated but didn't win mm. for Johnny Cash, but. 
I think Reese Witherspoon did win for playing the wife of Johnny Cash, who you're going to tell me the name of because June I'm, Cash, June Cash, of course, June Carter Cash, June Carter Cash. Yeah. But despite what you say about Hollywood, Brad Pitt, shoe in. I think he's been so smart. He's had the best speech writers. He's wrote some funny speeches mm. in the, or, or had written for him. He's he's reinvented himself as the divorced, happy-go-lucky, almost modern-day uh, Cary Grant of Hollywood, you know, an old-school matinee film idol mm. of which you don't really see anymore. And one thing I will say about Hollywood, people think that performance he gave in Hollywood is easy. It's not. Mm. To give that kind of laconic, laid-back, old-fashioned movie star performance yeah, yeah. is a really hard thing to pull off without it looking cheesy and, and cliched. Yeah. Okay. And, He's so laid back. I think he's going to win for that. Laura Dern will probably win for Marriage Story. Again, I think Marriage Story is one of the great films I've seen in the last few years. And then you just go through the list. The biggest movie winner overall will probably be, in my opinion, 1917. 1917. Because I think they'll clean up on cinematography, editing. Well, there's no editing, is there? It's one cut. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) you know what I mean. I think that'll be the overall winner. What do you reckon? Uh, you know, you're probably right. It probably will. Um, you know, it has to it has to stand up against other great war movies. I think. You know, when you think about uh, Saving Private Ryan or Apocalypse Now or some of these other ones, and I, I don't think it matches up to those. No, I'd agree with that. I'm very happy to see finally see a, a really good strong film about World War One yes. because I think that war has been shortchanged in terms of popular culture and been largely forgotten by a lot of people. That's a and key point. To show the horror, point. to show, you know, these guys walking through these the fields and, and the dead horses and the scrambling over dead bodies in the river, I, you know, I think, you know, we forget that horror, um, much like what was revised and revisited to us in Saving Private Ryan, especially that first 24-minute scene, yeah. which was probably one of cinema's most amazing yeah. um, uh, opening scenes. Which, by the way, Spielberg refused to storyboard because he said, well, they didn't storyboard, did they, on the beaches of Normandy? We will literally film day by day yep. and then solve each problem day by day. So, you're, so that's actually how they did it. Yeah. Each day, Tom Hanks and the extras inched their way up the beach... And then they say, right, we'll shoot over there, which means the bomb will land here, which means that will go over there. And they would inch their way up the beach day by day with no storyboarding prep. But you're absolutely right about First World War because Sam Mendes, the director, has made the point, and it's a key point. Right now, in the state of political play, the First World War, in some ways, is more relevant than the Second World War because whatever you think about the Second World War, it was about, in inverted commas, something. It Mm. was about Nazism. It was about stopping Nazism, fascism, so on, and a a dictator. First World War was old-fashioned hubris, geopolitic. This empire wants the space of this empire. It was geopolitic, pure and simple. It Mm. was a pointless, needless, senseless war where rich establishment figures sent lots of working-class people to die. Mm-hmm. There was no real need for that war whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You can make cases of Vietnam War and some of the incursions going on now. But in that regard, the First World War is much more relevant today, arguably, mm. than the Second World War, mm. because it was about nothing but greed and hubris. Interesting. And we've been down that road a few times, haven't we? Well, and interesting, what did that lead to but the uh, Spanish flu, right? The epidemic that it, killed over, what, well, between 20 and 50 million uh, people, depending on the estimate you believe in. Wow, crazy. Big stuff here, right here on Money FM Weekend Mornings. We have solved all of your Oscar problems. Go Parasite, <laughs> go Parasite. <laughs> to listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg 
or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.